turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. You've heard AM, you've heard FM. Now, tune into DM Radio, the world's longest running show about data. Each week, host Eric Cavanaugh interviews the brightest minds in the world of information management. Want to be on a show? Send an email to info at dmradio.biz. Now, here's your host, Eric Cavanaugh. Welcome back once again to the longest-running show in the world about data. It's called DM Radio. Yours truly, Eric Cavanaugh here. And, folks, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about big closets in the sky today. What, you know, cloud storage, right? Imagine if you had a closet that just got bigger and bigger as you needed to get bigger, and it got smaller and smaller when it needed to get smaller, and you could find all your stuff immediately. I mean, wouldn't that be fantastic instead of opening up boxes? And where did I put those scissors now, you just know exactly where that thing is. Well, that's kind of what cloud storage can do for you these days. Of course, we used to store everything on-prem, right, or on your laptop, on your servers, in your data center, et cetera. Increasingly, people are storing data in the cloud. And there are lots of different options. There are lots of folks doing this. Of course, Amazon is a power player. Another company called Grax is in that space. We're going to talk to our good buddy Joe Gaska from Grax today. And we'll talk from an end user from an awesome company, Avid. I've been a fan of Avid for like 25, 30 years or so. And apparently doing some really, really interesting things these days with video and even with mining. We're going to talk about some of that today with David Colantani. And I'll just say, first of all, it really pays to know your options in cloud storage these days. Of course, there's block storage, there's file storage, there are different kinds of things that you can do to optimize the retrieval speed. Access speed really matters. There are lots of things you can do to optimize the cost. You can have cold storage, hot storage, warm storage, etc. Of course, solid state, right? You've got companies like Pure Storage doing amazing stuff as well. So it's a really big space. It's really important. Uh, but even with these huge closets, you have to be careful about getting too much stuff, right? We're in this really interesting time now with enterprise software and systems where Kubernetes has revolutionized how we build enterprise software. And you have all these observability vendors now that are picking up on little signals all throughout this information architecture that you can then use to understand what's happening. It's great for troubleshooting. It's great for optimizing. It's great for making things work the way you want them to work, etc. So uh, there's a lot going on, but you do have to be strategic about how you store your data, which technologies you choose, what are the egress fees. That's always a big thing to consider when you're loading some data up in the cloud. And what's the plan, basically? So with that, let's bring in our first guest. We have David Colantani from Avid on the line. David, tell us a bit about yourself and how Avid is using cloud storage. Absolutely, and thanks for having me. Um, a little bit about myself. I'm vice president of product management here at Avid. Um, I have worked in the industry my whole life, pretty much my whole working life, um, both as a user and now making products for uh, the media and entertainment industry. Um, 
And um, product management, if you're not familiar, we basically manage the business of all the different products and design them and things like that. So we're actively involved in both um, the all the workflows that need to be supported in the cloud, for instance, where the media for for the media and entertainment industry and the media and entertainment industry is like in the midst of uh, sort of cloud transformation. And uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, my daily day-to-day routine is making products for media and entertainment um, for all the all the different um, movies and music that you listen to throughout the throughout your day. Uh, and that is so cool because now you know I'm, I'm old enough to remember i think you guys are old enough to remember when we had like cds and we used to have like albums and things now it's all streaming it's all up in the cloud you have these content delivery networks that step in to expedite the delivery of the content you can watch it on youtube you can watch it on instagram you can watch it on twitter i mean i'm sure some of these are your clients too so the needs for access to information, for storage. I mean, they have just exploded in the last five years or so. Uh, And you guys are right in the center of that whole conversation, right? Yeah, we definitely are. One thing, Avid's known and been in the industry for over 30 years, and we're absolutely known for products like Pro Tools or Media Composer. And those are the creative products that our end end users use every day. That's the products that they make motion pictures with avatar was edited on media composer um and pro tools it's used to make all the music um and live sound events and mix it and pro tools is a very um prevalent product in the in the um, music industry what people don't know that what sits behind that is storage and there's avid for um, as much as it's seen as a creative pro- as a creative company actually makes the infrastructure that sits behind it storage asset management and data management and that really does um, provide the engine so the creative users can actually get their work done Um, so we actually have high performance uh, on-prem storage today that's actually working in the same manner but in in the cloud so that allows customers to edit motion pictures or television productions done directly in the cloud so like i said earlier in my startup there's a huge transformation from taking these workflows and now working with them on-prem and now deploying them in the cloud. So, so yeah, we're definitely a big storage company here at Avid. Yeah, and that's cool. And the key, of course, is that you have to manage your costs and manage the workflows and understand what different clients want. I mean, that all goes into the product design and delivery process, right, is kind of talking to your clients, understanding what they need, how they need these things to be done, executed, so forth, and then upgrading your products, upgrading, you know, the APIs, for example, is that a big part of your job too, is to work with the teams and kind of help them understand where, who needs resources, how, and so forth. Absolutely. Yep. We work directly with our customers. The largest media and entertainment customers in the world are actually our customers. Um, And their needs are um, very specific. They have the same challenges that um, a lot of different companies have. Everything is built around cost, efficiency, and really time to market. And if you look at something like a Netflix, for instance, or, or a Disney Plus, all the content that gets created there is created with our products or in con- we contribute to that, right? But what really sits behind that is high quality, high performance um, products that need to deliver quickly. So storage and cloud storage pay- play a key part of that. Um, because you really have to 
um, create all this content that you watch every day. Um, you see it. You see new products being um, delivered, new, new shows, new TV shows. These are all a result of the efficiencies that need to be built in to the media and entertainment workflows that cloud can help provide. Um, and so that's one part of the world and mo like motion picture and television production. The other part of the world is news production. And that's where a lot of different um, efficiencies and really revolution is going on with the transformation from on-prem to cloud. And if you can think about a very large news organization that has um, local news scattered throughout, no, local news stations scattered throughout the, um, the country, United States, for instance, they're creating local news stories that need to be actually told throughout the country. So cloud is a very, very efficient way to do that. So think about something, some breaking news that's happening in Boston, for instance, and a local news affiliate is covering it. They may want to share that story with their affiliate in, in San Francisco. And so sharing of that content and collaboration along with cloud storage is like providing the most efficient way for news organizations could do it to, to do that. Um, so you can just see how workflows are really evolving. And like pa the past many years, storage is really becoming and the workflows that sit behind the storage is really still the center of a lot of production that goes on today. So that's, that's very interesting. And so, I mean, basically what David is describing here is that the efficiency of the cloud storage strategy feeds right into the agility of the organizations and their capacity to do interesting things, right? Because if you don't have that component part of your architecture, you have to do all kinds of workarounds and be shipping files around and just all kinds of stuff gets in the way that impedes process processes that impedes progress, right, David? Absolutely. I mean, the, it's all about efficiency and quality of work and how fast the final content can get delivered. And if you take something like a motion picture, right now, it's such that the efficiency is when they're shooting right off the camera, it's that that motion picture formerly filmed, now digitally <laughs> digitally shot, is actually getting archived to the to the cloud in multiple instances and it's being sent to other cloud um processing in order to do things like trailers or editorial will start instantly and it's all, or dubbing there's all these different processes that used to have a almost mechanical assembly line workflow to it that are all happening at the same time so you're capturing an image it's backing up to the cloud it's sending um, other that same image to a different area to be processed in a different way. Maybe it's editorial. Maybe it's um, somebody's coloring it, um, and then it's being processed for another thing down the down the road. And that would not be possible today if you didn't have cloud. It would be recorded on film or right. a, you know some temporary media. Ship it via FedEx or something. Um, and it's it's really finding its way. Um, to improving efficiency and bringing higher quality products to us as consumers. So that's so cool. That's good stuff. Well, let's bring in Joe Gaska from Grax to kind of comment on that. Uh, Joe, I really I'm loving this thread around how the storage strategy in the cloud is an enabler. That's something that you talk about all the time, right? 
you used to to do all these ETL processes because you had to move data around, and that's just it, it's very time consuming. It's expensive. It's error prone. If you can capture the information at the time of creation or movement, if it is moving, and orchestrate it accordingly, you can save yourself time, money, errors, all kind of stuff, right? A hundred percent. And and Dave, nice nice uh, nice discussion. It's exactly what. Grax is actually built on, much like when you say the media is captured and distributed and backed up, much like what Grax does. Grax isn't as exciting as the videos and shooting those, but we're, we're a backup provider for Salesforce capturing every version of your most strategic data and storing it within the customer's cloud itself. Now, Eric, you're 100% right. It's not only kind of a tactical obligation of, hey, I need every version of this data in case something bad happens, I can recover from it. But there's strategic advantages of having all the versions of your data saying, okay, what more can I get from this data? And we all know as transmission speed increases and computing speed increases and Moore's law is driving down these costs relentless, there is much more you can do with the data. The cloud storage facilities that we're seeing themselves natively out of the box is actually converging now to higher level storage mediums like databases. When you think of S3, S3 used to be thought of, it's a simple place where you dump information. Now, if you look at the capabilities of these storage mediums, their capabilities are actually increasing directly with the compute and the, and the transmission speeds by saying I can do more with them. You can ask data, metadata about that data. Hey. Mm-hmm. When was this captured? When was it last edited? Who accessed it? All of this metadata about the data itself has real strategic value when you start looking at data and saying, hey, when's the last time this record was touched? And if you think across everything from patient records, backup data, mediums like Dave's, talk, Dave's talking about saying, hey, if you have different editors touching it, who's doing what to the data and when? All of this information in the cloud We're at the very beginnings of this. For Grax, what we really looked at saying, okay, we take every version of of our customers' most strategic data. We have customers like Home Depot. We have customers that every name brand that you can think of are our customers that are capturing every version of data because if we think of where AI is going and where machine learning is going, they need all of this data to train it, to learn from it. All of this historical data and everything it's built on, it's all built on cloud storage. And that's really where we're looking to say, okay, what else is is now coming in the market today? And we're all seeing it with the, you know, everywhere you go, everyone's talking about the chat, the chat, the the, the chat and AI and machine learning today. And it's all predicated on in the cloud storage itself. Hmm. Yeah, it's the great enabler, you know, and again, we're we're having to kind of navigate through all these changes now, especially old timers like ourselves, you know, like my ex-girlfriend used to keep everything on a floppy disk and I would tell her, no, save it to the hard drive. You can get a backup like on your floppy, but don't rely on floppy disks like they're even less reliable than the drive. But now, you know, to David's point, you have all these redundancies built in for very important data so that you can't lose the data or it's very difficult to lose the data, right? And you know, and kind of to your point as well, 
by taking this approach, you're enabling reuse of that data across different platforms. That's great for marketing. It's great for research. It's great for auditing. It's great for you know developing business strategy for all kinds of reasons. And and I think we all know once you open the door to the possibility of using data in a certain way, people don't want to go backwards. They don't want to lose that capacity to play around with things. Right, Joe? Hundred percent. And it's it's much like when everyone got used to hey. Google became, hey, did you Google it? Did you find it? Right. No one, no one navigates things. People always search. They search for things. They want to search a giant storage medium and find what they're looking for, but no one really kind of navigates things anymore. And that really is the great enabler when you think of consumption of media, right? When we think of all these different mediums that are now coming on board, it's not just structured data. When you think of unstructured or streaming data, or data within a video now that you can search. All of this stuff now is a business enabler saying, okay, if I captured video from a sales meeting that I that I did here like this, when can I search it and find something that we're talking about so I can get more information quicker? Or, right. or even transpose it to say, put that into text and now actually training an app with it with the text itself. So Super, super exciting times right now, especially with the storage mediums increasing the way they are. Well, sure. And I think on the upcoming segment, we'll talk about some of the more advanced capabilities that I think Abbott is working on and uh, and you're probably aware of. And they're very, very useful, like the ability to search through uh, huge volumes of video to find every time Joe shows up or whenever Joe talks, show me those you get an algorithm that would then go identify, okay, at 13 minutes and 20 seconds, at 18 minutes and five seconds. That saves tremendous amounts of time and effort, folks. I can tell you, manually going through large volumes of video or audio is brutal. I mean, it's brutal. Like, it's you're, you're just not even going to do it because it's that painful. And now we have the capacity to do these queries. Think of stuff like Fireflies. A lot of times people will use Fireflies with our webinars where you they show up. It's a little AI engine that shows up or an automation engine that shows up, captures all the audio and translates it in real time to notes. And then you actually get a summation email when the show is done. Like, here's what you talked about. This was the sentiment rating. This is how long this person spoke. This is what they said here and there. For a journalist, that's incredibly powerful because you can get right to the quotes that you want, make sure you get them correctly. You can go right to the meat of the argument to kind of brush up and understand what you're trying to write about. All very useful stuff now enabled thanks to the cloud storage vendors. We'll be right back, folks. You're listening to DM Radio. Can your IRA stand up to the next financial crisis that our top economists are saying is at our doorsteps? By allocating a percentage of your IRA into physical gold and silver with a tax-free rollover, you can diversify and safeguard your holdings from turbulent markets and economic downturns by putting your IRA back on the gold standard. Find out how to safeguard your assets with a tax-free rollover with a Genesis Gold IRA, the only IRA that can hold physical precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-644-8611. 800-644-8611. 800-644-8611. That's 800-644-8611. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, 
Eric Cavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. Wonderful show today. We're talking to David Colatani from Avid and our good buddy Joe Gasca from Grax. And uh, we're talking all about big closets in the sky, cloud storage, and all the cool things you can do now with your data as it's being captured. So, you know, it's it's so interesting, the, the world we live in today with respect to data, because for the longest time, and this is part of the challenge, I think, in organizations, is we have to change our mindset about things. But you would get data, and you would, of course, persist it to a database, and then that's where you kept it, and then your applications would hit the database, and they would do the things they needed to do. And now, because in large part of cloud computing and some of these new architectures, you can be filming a news story and that data is going up into the multiple cloud instances just so it's not lost at all. And then you can repurpose that. You can run analytics on that. And uh, David, I'll bring you back in to comment on this because I think Abbott has some cool tech now. You can also be searching for people like across, like in this two-hour movie, how many times does Rhett Butler come into the screen, for example? I mean, a lot of the AI technology is able to identify that facial recognition, voice recognition, for example. I mean, really, there are just so many cool things possible. Tell us some of the coolest stuff that I was working on now. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. I, I think you used a good example. We were talking about search, but it's more than that. You know, we have... If you're creating um, a motion picture or you're cataloging news events at one time, there's a lot going on. Um, And so as you're saving that data and as you're creating the metadata that goes along with it, um, it has to only become usable, um, as Joe was saying earlier, about how it's searched. And so if you can think of like a motion picture when you know how they do the outtakes and Someone might do one take and they make a mistake and then they might do 10 more. We actually have technology that can um, can actually track that and, and index all the takes and then find the right take very easily. If you're an editor and you have a day's worth of shooting that you have to go down and cut down into different into the movie you might end up seeing, there can be a lot of takes in there. And so we're actually indexing that information, making it much easier and aligning the text with the searches that um, editors are using to make things much easier, much more efficient. Um, We also can align to scripts. So if it's a a scripted um, piece of content, a television show or something like that, the, the actors are actually saying the script and you can actually go into the script and click on the script and it will find that comp- they'll find those takes for wow. for the different parts of it. So yeah, there's a lot of things that um that are going on and then there's there's newer there's newer technologies we're looking into. We talk, we were talking in the pre-show a little bit about um like um big big topics in news production are around deep fakes and fake news. Um and identifying those sort of sources of information and being able to verify them. And as you know, because you're all sort of consumers of the internet, a lot of the things you see every day are not true, um, Mm -hmm. or at least some non-representation of the truth. And if you're a news organization, you don't, you can't just utilize that content. You have to figure out if it's real and whether it can be sourced and whether it can be verified. Um, And so there's a whole new sort of, emergence of new technology that's going on in the industry to help with that. 
You know, there is uh, an interesting angle here around blockchain. So I'll throw it over to uh, to David first. Is that something you're looking at? Because one of the cool use cases I've heard for blockchain, because theoretically it is immutable, right? And you save everything and you can't overwrite it. Now, you can't append records, obviously, but you can't overwrite stuff. And that means the history is there. So the audit trail. And so, I mean, I think you're exactly right about this fake news stuff and just fake commentary and fake messaging and so forth. And I think that, you know, a combination of cloud storage, of blockchain, of policies, of standards, things of this nature are going to be able to identify, yes, that is John Smith who was at this location because they were uploading to this cloud. It was his phone, all that kind of stuff. That's possible now. And I think it's really important, especially for news broadcasters, because guess what? You don't want to be broadcasting Fake news, all it takes is, you know, 10 minutes for some story to get around the interwebs and everyone thinks it's the case when it's not. So yeah. you guys can play a pretty significant role in that whole conundrum, right, David? Yeah, we can. And yeah, and, and I think in, um, as far as blockchain goes, yeah, it's in its infancy in this industry. And there's actually the cloud transformation and cloud storage is actually in its infancy, too, I would say, um, because um, the f- efficiencies and the amount of content we have to deal with. And it's, it's, it's quite large in some instances. You have movies being shot in 8K or 16K. Those are, those are very large file sizes. Um, but, you know, I think the same goes for a blockchain and, and some of the things that you brought up and how we're going to utilize that and, and utilize the power of that to sort of support this emerging um, the emerging trends that are happening and taking advantage of things like AI and, and content analysis and using um, geolocations to sort of identify if people are actually there at a particular event at a particular time and saving that metadata and being able to go back and verify it. Yeah. And, you know, and let's say even let's say something like that happened. There was an event and there was a whole bunch of sort of metadata that was saved on the cloud and, and you wanted to reference in that sort of event past it was reported on. And then maybe a year from now, you want to call it back up again. You're going to want to know, oh, that was the actual thing that actually happened. That person was there. So, yeah, there's so many instances where blockchain can help. Um, but again, it's very much in its sort of formation on the advantages for media and entertainment. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I'll just throw a question over to Joe. It's It's sort of related to this. Where I was just curious in, uh, I, maybe it was on my phone or on a computer or something, and I had all my photographs, right? And, like, and you can see in digital media in particular the remarkable transformation that we've seen, right? With photographs, right, when you had to get the film processed and pay for that and everything, well, you were pretty careful about which photos you took because it took money and it took time to get all that stuff processed. Well, now you can take a gazillion photos. So all of a sudden, we've gone from you know just a precious few to thousands of thousands. And how many times have you seen someone like this? Uh, hold on a second. Let me find this photograph because they're going through the zing, zing, zing. Well, I actually did a search in my OneDrive or something, and I was like, I wonder if I could do this pool table, enter, and big, 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 big here, like four pictures where I had a picture of a pool table. I mean, that's cool because what it tells you is there's an engine that scanned all these images and it saved repository and said, okay, image 39D has a pull table, image 127A has a pull table or whatever, and there they are. And you're like, oh, my goodness. I'll throw it over to Joe first and then David to comment. I mean, that's an example 
of what you can do today to vastly optimize your ability to use this material. What do you think, Joe? I think I should offer you a job because that's exactly why we <laughs> that's exactly why we founded Grax the way we did. And so Grax stores your complete historical record from Salesforce. The reason why we did this is not only to protect data, as you mentioned, immutable storage. Once data is stored and you can trust it, then we can recover from something bad. But it's not just that. Like you said about your pictures, can I find a pool table? What you're trying to do is you're doing either anomaly detection or recognition of a pattern that you want to repeat. Yeah. If we think of if we think of enterprise data that's storing every version of data saying, I want to repeat how I closed this deal. If you have the steps in every version, you know the pathway you took to close a deal because you have every version to learn from. Same with a case or a ticket saying, how did I service this customer? You can learn from every step or every version of the data. There is no difference between historical strategic data from enterprise than it is from learning from video of your car driving down the street if you're trying to teach a car how to automatically drive what they're doing is doing pattern recognition about obstacles that they can hit it's the same with enterprise data and the versions of data that we're capturing where this is going and where we've been going is saying we have a complete historical record of the most strategic data you have so the patterns are captured in all of that history in how the outcome can be trained and learned from. So it doesn't matter if the medium is structured data or the medium is video. You're training or learning off this data because much like Tesla's doing with all of the streams of media data that they're capturing and trading their, their autonomous driving, it's the same with businesses trying to learn about yeah. their pattern recognition. And that's really what we're after and what we've been building with some of our biggest customers saying, now that you have all of your history, what can we learn from it? And that all comes from, we could never do this until the storage medium got down to say, store every piece of data or every file, like you said, every picture you have to learn from. Hmm. That's just amazing. I'll throw it over to David to comment on. I see you smiling out there. Yeah, no, I, I was just thinking about, um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think um, I'm trying to think about like the applications in, in media and entertainment in your example, Eric. Um, yeah, absolutely. I've, I, I started to go back and think about when they used to shoot te- motion pictures with film and just how things were. So it was the same thing, actually. You were very limited because you could only fit so much film on a roll and it would eventually run out. And the emergence of digital technology and then the emergence of um how cloud workflows have made that so efficient. Um, so I was just hearkening back to how that was, um, you know, not that long ago, actually. Um, but I think as, um, you know, the other thing I was thinking is that sort of as far as data and understanding um, metadata and how that works within media and entertainment, one of the things we do that's actually special and different is we actually provide an application layer that sits on top of storage because, the workflows that are needed for motion pictures are actually very demanding. Um, so we have technology that really allows um, when you're playing back video, 
so um, the the end user doesn't see blips in it. It doesn't see black. It it's constantly making sure that multiple users can access that media at one time. Hundreds of users, hmm. and they can create content. They can work on a on a news story or a motion picture production all at the same time. And so, yeah, I was smiling because I was starting to think about how the um, how that all sort of fits together and how Avid is different and unique. Um, and some of the things we do to adapt to our workflows. Um, so yeah, so yeah, it's just um, I it's had amazing. a little. It's amazing. Know, I went back in time a little bit there. That's a, that's okay, but I mean, and this kind of gets to the point again of how fast things are changing and how much people in business need to appreciate those changes and understand because you're talking about orders of magnitude in efficiency gains, and, and you know the efficiency is so great that it enables a whole set of other processes. I mean, agility requires that you're able to do different things quickly. That's what agility is all about in business. And if you don't have that, if you're saddled with technical debt, as we often call it, then you just do workarounds. And, you know, workarounds are very difficult to manage, whether from an administrative perspective or from a management perspective. It's just not easy to deal with workarounds because only one person knows what they did. It's probably not documented, and you just don't want that. So you want to design these workflows. And, and Joe, I'll throw it over to you. You've got about two minutes before uh, the next break. But, you know, it's a wonderful time to be a process designer because now you really do have these options open to you and you can say, wait a minute, why don't we do it this way where as we're doing this, we're also doing that. Let's allow Bob's team to get access to this in real time, et cetera. These are the kinds of changes that can create aha moments, that can create new revenue streams, that can really change a business, right, Joe? 100%. And, and you, you hit the nail right on the head. The process designer and the people that really can take the data, analyze the data, and really start to think about how they can improve business, whether improving business is, is revenue acquisition or, or producing a better product, it's all about learning from your past and really adjusting and continuing that path over and over and over and over as you go. It's iterative. As we know that the process is never done. You're never, you're never, you're never complete with anything. It's, I do something better. I go back. I learn from it. I do something better. I go back and learn from it. And all this comes from no matter what medium you're in, the historical data and kind of all of those pieces, any kind of medium that you have, Having that historical data or the past and things and being able to iterate and back test and all of those pieces, we've seen it time and time again. And some of the biggest enterprises we're working with today are doing crazy things with some of the latest technologies that are out there. And all they're doing is massive storage. And believe it or not, data is now throwing off more data than the data they're the data they're capturing and the data that the data is producing about metadata about that data is actually orders of magnitude larger. That's crazy, <laughs> and you have to have a strategy. I mean, the thing is, a lot of companies don't appreciate that if you don't think through where you're going to be storing this data, how you're going to be storing this data. If you don't have an, a good strategy for that you can get overwhelmed quickly and then you're having to move massive amounts of data around. That is always a difficult thing to do. I mean, it's fun hearing these stories about companies going cloud and they're shipping like, you know, 
boxes and boxes of CD-ROMs to get it up into the cloud. That, that just those movies don't typically end well. You know, you really want to kind of map out your strategy ahead of time and be able to execute it and know where things are going to go. That's when you avoid the big problems. But folks, don't touch that doll. We'll be right back. You're listening to DM Radio. Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income. And it's free. That's right, free. As a bonus, we'll also throw in a free annuity rate report just for calling. We researched over 1,000 annuities and summarized rates and benefits from financially strong insurers. You get annuity do's and don'ts for baby boomers and the annuity rate report, both absolutely free for calling Annuity General today. Hurry, supplies are limited. Call now. 800-245-1697-800-245-1697-800-245-1697. That's 800-245-1697. Welcome back to DM Radio. Here's your host, Eric Kavanaugh. All right, folks, back here on DM Radio. Fascinating conversation today. We're talking to David Colantani of Avid and our buddy Joe Joe Gaska of Grax. And uh, just in the break there, we were chatting about some of the possibilities you could do these days. And it really is amazing, like some of this online editing. And, uh, David, you were talking about how now... All you need with Avid is a dumb terminal, basically, and then it's representing, it's showing you what's being worked on in the cloud, which is huge because with video editing, I mean, to your point, these are big, big files. And, you know, even if you had a real big computer in your home office, it doesn't, it can't hold a candle to cloud computing and the ability to scale out the compute and to process things. So if you're just, if you want to edit I mean, I know editing, you want to be able to do it quickly. If you have to wait every time you hit the button, that just destroys the continuity of the creative process. It's a pain. People aren't happy. But now you can whip through this stuff very quickly and do different views on stuff. And think about even some of the sporting events, how quickly they can just jump to this camera angle, that camera angle. Let's see where the ball came in like this. I mean, all that stuff is being enabled by these new cloud architectures. Right, David? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we were we were talking about how you 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 can we have customers that are literally editing um, television seasons in the cloud, and editors are people don't realize this, but you know there's an Academy Award for editing, and it's a very creative process, right? And editors are very creative people, and if you've ever seen an editor work, they actually are like um, you know almost like a musician. They work very fast. They're trying, they're auditioning clips, and, you know, their keyboard is their their instrument. And they're really, they're not just like we would do. You move your mouse, click play, and then you watch it. It's a much more complex than that. And so their workflow can't change, right? So when they're working on-prem, things are need to work a certain way. Well, cloud workflows now are at that point where, it's abstracted from the user. They don't know they're in the cloud. They're working as efficiently as they need to. Um, and then the technology um, sits behind them. There's very efficient things that are going on around making sure that the content's delivered to them efficiently. They can edit it. They can see it. They can play it back. They can cut it. Um, and then 
we are also talking about cost efficiencies, meaning the media that's sitting that they're actually editing needs to be on high performance storage in the cloud. But the media they're not accessing can be in other tiers of cloud um, storage because it's very costly. It's very expensive to have this this media, which you you know these are the TV shows that you watch every day. So think about it. These have these very high performance cameras, very high quality cameras, um, and so editing in the craft of editing, you can't let technology get in the way of the creative editor. In cloud, mm. the transition has really happened where that's a, that's enabled today. And our, I mean, Avid's doing that today on many, many, many uh, motion picture and and um, and television shows. Well, and you know, there's a. It's interesting. It is happening very quickly, but you do have these leading indicators, right? And I remember, it's got to be two or three years ago now that I think it was on my Samsung or maybe it was Apple's. One of these guys where it's very clever. They came up with an algorithm that would just grab seven, eight, nine photographs from your repository from a certain period of time, throw some music behind it, and give you like this little music video of your memories. And I watched a couple of them, and they were darn freaking good. I'm like, look at this. It just (laughs) dynamically spun up like this one with my kid when she was like five. And it's just really well done. You're like, wow. I mean, it looked like a professional editor did that. But guess what? The technology is so good these days that we can and machine learning can capture the workflow of the editor and it's mimic true. that workflow and just do it automatically. Now, for the best TV shows, they're not doing that. They're still doing that stuff manually. But the fact that you can have an algorithm just spin up a movie with your photographs and music for free, like at no charge, it's like, holy Christmas. Joe, what do you think about all that? Oh. There's nothing. There's nothing free in this world. If your if if data is out there and people are creating things of that nature, it's very real businesses that are made upon there, like Facebook, about taking all the digital images that are uploaded and correlating the people and the faces and the the different products that are in them. It, it's it's truly amazing. I mean, it, it's we are. I I think Dave mentioned it earlier before. So even though we believe that the the birth of the cloud has been around for, you know, we're still only in its very, very, very infancy of this, of this kind of, you know, internet. You know, we think back to 2000, the birth of the internet and kind of thinking of where we've come in 20 years, it's electricity was prevalent in 1900. And just as much as that was a change agent to the, to the planet in 1920, that's how much that was really that really changed things. And if you really think of the birth of the internet back in kind of the early '90s and kind of getting to where we are today, it's really the equivalent of 1900 to 1930 when you think of, you know, the the the, the kind of electricity and the birth of the 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 kind of uh, automobile and manufacturing. All of those were were basically morphed from that one piece. And if you think of the internet today, birthing these other new pieces that are coming out. Right. Storage and medium and data is is basically the fuel to all of these new economies. Mm-hmm. And you really think of all of the new economies that are spurned off it, whether it's Facebook or whether it's kind of a, you know, digital currency and blockchain, like you're saying, all of these are founded on the fuel of the storage of the data itself. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty darn interesting where we're going, the new things, much like you're saying, Dave, I had a long time ago. One of my friends, when I said, there's no way CAD would ever move to the cloud. Well, um, 
like it's all in the cloud. It's you're hundred percent right. Like you're, you know, as I was thinking, obviously when you have large petabytes of information, if you think of it, it has to be closest to the, to the, to the consumption of that. And the cloud makes sense, right? And it's, um, it's really interesting when you think of that blended medium of your saying you're using, you're using mass storage and mass consumption, but streaming it to the user and having that experience be very powerful. Like it is, like it is on site. So that's super. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And just opening of new doors, you know, that's what, uh, that's what gets me excited and efficiency gains, you know, David, I'll throw this one over to you. Cause you talked about, you know, how you're really enabling all these new techniques and you're expediting the process. And so what does that mean? Well, from a producer's perspective, that means I can produce more shows. That means I can crank out more content of a higher quality, faster, and that allows me to test new shows, for example, right? You never, in the media, it's fun. You never really know what people are going to like. You can have a pretty good idea, but you can be wrong. You can think everyone's going to love this and they just don't. And the ability to try new things, gauge the success of that, and then make informed decisions, it's a critical success factor in any media production industry. What do you think, David? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, And I think if you look at some of the large OTT companies, they actually know instantly (laughs) when something is is a success. And um, I think, you know, I, I think if you start at the end and then work your way back, it helps you explain why the workflows are so important um it's all about content quality and content distri- uh content um um uh what was i trying to say so um making your content different from your other um differentiated yeah. right so if you work back from that or differentiation sorry i couldn't find the word I'm sorry. if you work back from that it really becomes super important so you have a network you have an ott network you need to produce a lot of high quality content that means you have to have as many efficiencies in the workflow right so it means that cloud get it gets introduced it means that if you're shooting on location you need to have access to um those files so that you can edit them it means that you need to color correct it needs you need to produce the final content you need to dub it for multinational distribution all of that stuff because OTT networks um, have to produce content constantly for that instant sort of gratification that you explained that happens at the end, they need to have more and more of it because you want they want you to continue to subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, they want you to continue to watch their, their content network. All of that plays into cloud efficiency, making sure that the editor who's helping create that content, the producer who wants to review all of it, it's as, it's as accessible as it possibly can be wherever they're located. Um, so, yeah, it, it really is driven by that. I love how you've sort of phrased because it, it really is instant gratification and metadata and um, audience engagement to see how people react to a particular um, piece of content. Um, yeah. And then there's always the next piece of content that needs to come along. That's so. right. And and if, you, if you're paying attention to all this and if you're looking at the signals, then you'll know what's going to work and not what's going to work. And uh, what do they say in, in the media? In show business, always keep them wanting more. Right? Like you right. want to keep it rolling. I want new seasons of Wednesday. I'm not going to lie. We watched that. I thought it was one of the most clever TV shows I've frankly ever seen. I thought it was brilliant. I don't know what happened that they're not going to do anymore. Netflix won't. But uh, look these folks up online. 
David Kulatani of Avid and Joe Gra- Gaska of Grax. You are listening to DM Radio. All right, folks, time for the podcast bonus segment here on DM Radio, talking to David Kulatani of Avid and Joe Gaska of Grax, and just getting all excited about the possibilities these days. I mean, so many cool things are happening, and you know there are new jobs. So people talk a lot about how AI is going to take away jobs. I mean, maybe I'll admit there are organizations that view AI through the lens of headcount and lowering headcount. I know that happens, but I think the smart money is on empowering your users, empowering your employees to do new things and to leverage these technologies. So I'm guessing there are some new or at least changing roles at these organizations. And you've got Wikipedia out there. You've got YouTube. You can learn anything, anytime, basically. Coursera. There's so many ways you can learn about new things to do. I'll throw it over first maybe to David and then to Joe. What are some thoughts you can share about new job types, new roles, new things that uh, if someone has been laid off from a tech company, where can they go to educate themselves and to find a new new way of ma- making a living? Well, for for avid it's all about um customer experience and it's all about um design and engineering so the way people interact with products today is so much different than they had in the past things need to be easy to use they need to be quick they need to be efficient so the things that you experience today your cell phone those are masterly defined the apps that you use so that they're as efficient as possible because you can't you don't have a mouse you don't have a Right. You don't have a keyboard, you have your fingers. And so user interaction and user design and smart engineering um, are super important. I would also say for our, you know the topics that we're talking around cloud, super important to be able to leverage and take technology and, and drive it and advance the cloudification of workflows for I work, where I work in media and entertainment. Anything around that SaaS anything around sort of deployment, anything around creative um, and creative users and user experiences, all very, very relevant to how um, products are being created today. Yeah, product design, engineering, product creation, ideation, all these things, being able to leverage technologies. And uh, real quick, chat GPT, folks, you cannot honestly, I don't think it's even possible to believe how many different things this engine knows. You can ask it very specific questions. Tell it, give me a marketing plan for uh, a media production company. It'll do some interesting things for you. It'll know, for example, because it's ingested all this information, workflows, like some of the workflows you're talking about, it can write code for crying out loud. It can actually write code to get you to start somewhere so that can be just sort of a teaser or an icebreaker, if you will. Uh, what do you think about that real quick, David? And I'll throw it up to Joe. Oh, absolutely. I think um, it's, it's untapped. It's untapped um, resources. Um, and I think like what we, you know, in media and entertainment, actually, one, there's an interesting phenomenon. And in you, because you mentioned ChatGPT and how that might affect um might affect things. I can tell you in content creation, there's not enough jobs right now. Hmm. There's not enough editors. There's not enough producers. So in a weird way, we're actually seeing in requests and getting requests for more automation, for more AI ML. Um, it's because there's not enough humans to edit all the content they need. There's not hmm. enough humans to log all the data and all the information. So it absolutely will have some advantages. Now, people are afraid of it. And that makes sense because you don't know the extent of 
the unknown, right? But we absolutely see a, a, a place for that. And we actually, years ago, we had editors saying, we don't want AI, we don't want to have any part of that. Now we hear, please give us AI. There's menial <laughs> tasks that we need to get done. We need our assistant editors to help us. Um, so it's the, there's a wave of change here. Um, and it actually plays into more more efficient and more and better roles, actually, quite higher paying roles in, in the media and entertainment industry. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think that's exactly correct. There are many more jobs and they're going to be more interesting jobs because what the AI and the ML typically is going to do was really boring stuff, highly repetitive, especially machine learning, highly repetitive tasks that are boring. Let the machines do that. As a general rule, anytime a machine can do a job better than a person and you can afford the machine, use the freaking machine. Let the people do different things, right? I'll throw it over to Joe. And, you know, um, in my opinion, with what you folks are doing at Grax, the fact that you have this whole timeline of the data, I think you're enabling the business analyst, the sort of next generation of business analysts who can look at what's being done, understand the data, find the inflection points, find those signals in the data, and then redesign workflows. It's all about workflows these days, things like Airtable and Airflow in the cloud to be able to capture from here, analyze, move it over here designing and deploying those new workflows, that's digital transformation. That's the future of business. What do you think, Joe? 100%. So, I mean, one thing, Grax is hiring. So if uh, anyone- <laughs> There you go. Feel free, to, feel free <laughs> to jump over here. Uh, we have a bunch of things. So a couple things. One, we all know that the technology it has to get better and more efficient. And with, every, with any leg up, there's always people that are saying change is difficult. But I agree with what, what Dave was saying is, Right now, there is massive amounts of needs for content creation, especially on our side as well. All the digital, all the digital assets that we have and how you do it. And a lot of the digital assets, when I really think about that, is also part of the programming world and sort of the tech assets that we are creating. Now, a lot of the people that are that are reusing and capitalizing on tools like chat GPT to use, to make their work more efficient and better. That's really where we're seeing people take a different perspective and how they're using it and getting it better. So I think all of these technologies are doing nothing but taking and automating um, jobs that were going to happen and that are happening no matter what. The tech industry overall, I believe, is a healthy uh, place where right now it's going through a more efficiency and people looking at how do I deploy these assets to make a larger impact and better. Mm -hmm. And it's going to create new opportunities. And it is already for us. We're already starting to see it, much like you're seeing from a, from a process designer point of view. right? That's really, that's really what we need in saying, now that we have all this information and we have this expected outcome, how do you go from information to outcome? You need a technical ability and someone that looks at a process design and how to accomplish that. That's one of the biggest things that we need. Um, that we're seeing at our customers need as well. Well, folks, you have been listening to DM Radio. Check us out online, dmradio.biz. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to DM Radio.